Welcome to Parkview. Glad you're here. Um, yeah, it's a, weird, it's a weird day, trust me. Jordan Howerton Band, ladies and gentlemen. How about it? Having him here. Brand new album out. Uh, two songs you've already heard today from it, and another one you're going to hear a little bit later. Um, the albums did not get delivered on time like they were supposed to, so they'll be here on Monday. But if you want to go out and buy one, they'll give you a little voucher, and then you can stop back by the church and pick them up after Monday or come back next weekend and we'll get them to you. Uh, love to support them. They got their brand new album out. I can't wait to hear the whole thing. I haven't even got to yet. Other thing is, uh, you know, Mother's Day was great last weekend, wasn't it? Awesome time. Loved it. But we're done with that now. It's time to move on to Father's Day, right? Mike Singletary, all five services. I will be interviewing him. Big Bears weekend for Father's Day, the 14th and the 15th. The reason I tell you up front right now is because I've had conversations with several people who said, you know what? You know, my, my so-and-so, my, you know, my brother-in-law or blah, 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 would, will never, would never, ever come to church. But Mike Singletary, he'll show up for it, you know? And that's the idea. That's what we're hoping is going to happen, is that you'll understand that a lot of people are going to want to come and be a part of it, and he's a great Christian guy, and we're going to talk about that. So come back for that. We, uh, we really just want to welcome you. We're glad that you're here. This talking about sex thing seems weird. It seems like, uh, why is it so taboo in the church? I don't know. I've had several conversations today with people who said, you know what? I grew up in the church and we never, ever talked about this subject. And the truth is God is for it. He loves it. And I understand that it's supposed to be private, you know, to a certain degree. I mean, I get that. We don't talk about everything out in the open, but God talks a lot about it. And it's a positive thing. I had, a, I had an experience a couple of years ago, it was 2006 when we moved into this building from our, just our children's wing over there, and it was a big tough deal, and my wife is our worship programming director, so between her and I, you know, getting moved into this new space and getting everything ready, it was a lot of work, and so I had been updating the church, you know, on different things along the way. Well, I've got these three friends, I've got, I've got we call ourselves the Stinklings, they're my accountability partners, they're ministers in different, uh, there's one in Maryland, one in Springfield, Illinois, and one in Cleveland, Ohio. And we've banded together to be in each other's lives. We're accountability partners, and, and we support each other, and we encourage each other. So I sent this email out to all of my family, including my wife's family, my in-laws, everybody, all of our elders, our leaders, all of our small group leaders, pretty much every volunteer that I had on an email list anywhere in 2006, I sent this email, as well as these guys saying, here's what happened our first weekend. And it went really well, and we had a couple of little things, you know, whatever, but we're in, and God is good, and we're so excited about what God's going to do in this space, never, of course, imagining that we'd have 10 Christmas Eve services in there, 10 Easter services, blows my mind. But, but, but we, you know, I sent this email out. So my buddy Greg over in Cleveland, Ohio, sends back a note to me and says, hey, that's fantastic. I'm so, so happy for you. And, and I'm going to soften it a little bit for you because, you know, he was a little more crude than I'm going to be. But he basically said, now take some time off and go have some great sex with your wife. <laughs> Except instead of hitting reply, he hit reply all. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done that. I have. We all have at some point, right? So it went to my in-laws, you know. Um, 
My parents, my, you know, my family, my elders, all, it went to everybody in the world, basically. You might as well have posted it on Facebook for crying out loud. And, um, you know, we got a couple of comments from some people who are like, well, that was really inappropriate. I, you know, I didn't need to hear that and blah, blah, blah. I mean, of course he didn't do it on purpose. But, but the people that were upset, I, I wrote them back and I said, listen, you should be really glad for two things. You should be really glad to know with as many moral failures as happen out there among pastors and among our leaders, you should be really happy to know that A, I have accountability partners, that I have people that if I'm being tempted in an area, they're the ones that are going to call me on it. They're my, you know, internet accountability filter people. They're the people that are in my life and they know what's going on and they're holding me accountable to not have sex with the wrong people. And you should be really, really glad about that. Not that it would ever, you know, happen or anybody would ever want to, but just so that that would be there, you would know that that's a good thing, right? But you should also be as happy about the fact that those people in my life are not just telling me not to do this, they're encouraging biblical sexuality in my marriage, because that's what we all ought to be doing. And the sooner we get our heads wrapped around this thing, the easier it's going to be. We need to understand that we should talk about this, that there should be things like this happening in the church, and we want everybody to know that God made it and it is good. I'm going to ask you a question. Put this verse up on the screen, Proverbs 5. How many of you have ever heard a sermon on this, this scripture? This is in Proverbs. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. You ever, ever heard a sermon on that one? Huh? Baptist? Anybody Baptist? You ever hear that growing up? No. I mean, that's in Proverbs right there. Okay, what is that saying? That, that, that verse is saying, let's be happy in the marital relationship, okay? And there's a whole book in the Bible called Song of Solomon that's all about this sexuality. If you understood the nuances of what, what happened in the Song of Solomon, you would understand that that's really an R-rated, if you showed a video of what was going on in Song of Solomon, it would be an R-rated video, and it's in the Bible, and I know that it's difficult for us to understand all the things in the Old Testament, so I borrowed Bill and Ted's uh, excellent time machine, and I went back in time, and I grabbed Solomon, and he is here with us today. Would you welcome out for me Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived? Yeah. I know I was surprised he was that white too, but this is Solomon, ladies and gentlemen. I also did not know he played the saxophone. My Sunday school teacher never let me in on that one. It wasn't on the flannel graph when I was being taught, but you do. And, and, and as the wisest man in the world, it seems like an oxymoron, but you had 300 wives and 700 concubines, which meant you basically had 1,000 women, right? So you, you were pretty, you know, dope with the ladies, right? Okay, so, so this Song of Solomon thing that you wrote in the Bible... Um, it must be full of some great advice for us. We're going to talk about this, you know, for the men today. So I'm just hoping that maybe now that you're here in the 21st century, maybe you could interpret some of this for us. Okay, would that be sure all right? Yep. And I appreciate you bringing your saxophone because, you know, that's just sexy all by itself. Okay, <laughs> so if I could just get a little bit of mood music, Barry, it would be great. Just a little bit of, yeah, there you go. Okay, maybe dim the lights just a little bit. Here we go. I mean, we got to do the mood thing, right? Okay, so here's the first one. Your cheeks, your cheeks are beautiful with earrings and your neck a string of pearls. What, what did you mean by that, Solomon? Girl, 
You must be a parking ticket. Because you got fine written all over you. Oh, that that was definitely sexy. Okay, let's uh, let's try another one. Uh, your lips drip sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. Girl, did you have Lucky Charms for breakfast? Because you look magically delicious. Wow, that is that is really really amazing, isn't it? I mean, once I get the interpretation of the Bible, it just changes everything. Uh, let, let's try one more, because that's, I think, all I can handle. Uh, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. This is a good one. Yeah. Girl, I just had a whole package of Skittles. Want to taste the rainbow? Wow. Thank you, Solomon. Let's hear it for Solomon, ladies and gentlemen. That helps a lot. These ideas seem good in my office. Um, uh, John Ortberg says, here, here's the problem, okay? Ortberg says, the church is not always taught this well. Between the 3rd and 10th centuries, check this out, the church issued edicts that forbid husbands and wives from having sex on Thursdays because that was the day of Christ's arrest. And then on Fridays, because that was the day of his death. And then on Sunday, out of remembrance for the saints. And eventually the church said, because there was this kind of suspicion about sexuality, that we were not supposed to have sexual relations between husbands and wives during the 40 days of Lent. And then they added, you know, what'd you get up for Lent? Well, you have no idea. And then 40 days of Advent, right? And then the 40 days of Pentecost. You talk about hating the holidays, right? This is horrible. Like they're not bad enough already. They added so many, Ortberg said, they added so many fast days and holidays that if you followed the church rules, there was only 44 days available for marital sex in a calendar year. That's what the church was teaching. And Ortberg goes on, he says, you know, some of you hear that and you think, well, that is awful. I, that, I can't even imagine that. And some of you are like, where could I get one of those calendars? Because, you know, <laughs> you didn't leave me alone. Listen, that's why we're doing this series, Okay. That's why we're doing this, because this was not God's intent. God never invented the 44-day plan. He invented the 365-day plan. He said, you go act like bunnies. That's my interpretation of the beginning of the Bible. Go be fruitful and multiply. That's what's supposed to happen. And the church got this all screwed up, and some of you were raised with maybe a Victorian view of sexuality, and you're like, oh, okay, we're telling kids not to do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, and then we get to marriage, and we're like, we're confused. We don't know what's going to happen. So I'm talking to the guys specifically today because, you know, we are very different. And, you know, the men are from Mars, women are from Venus thing is so true. It was a guy who couldn't afford a flat screen TV. So instead, he cut a hole in the wall and stuck his normal TV out the back of it so that it would look like a flat screen TV on the inside, okay? I just had to point that out, all right? The guys are different, okay? And I've got a couple of disclaimers. Disclaimer number one, I am no expert, not at all. Been married to that woman for 30 years, and I blew it this week, and I will probably blow it next week, and uh, that's just the way marriage goes, because I'm really not that smart. Somebody gave me this book, Everything Men Need to Know About Women, and it is completely blank on the inside. 
this is what I, this is the book that I teach from a lot, okay? Disclaimer number two, I am going to have to generalize. And I, and I say that because it's really important. I know that what, what happens when I teach like this is that some of you come and you're like, well, that's not what it's like in our house. You know, I wish my husband wanted to have sex more or whatever, okay? And I'm sorry, I know things are different, and, and, but, but what's going on here underneath it all is what's really important. Okay? And here's how I understand the situation generally in most marriages. Generally, the guys that are here today are hoping that I'm going to tell them how to get more sex, and the women who are here are hoping I'm going to tell the guy how to act so they might want to have sex with them more often. <laughs> Am I right? Okay. You can say amen to that no matter what gender you are. Okay. That all works. So let's talk. Guys, if you are hoping for me to tell you where the on button is on this thing and how you work it, you, you know, or what the super Christian secret formula is to this, you are done before you start because there's no such thing. And I know some of you guys are like, well, I hope he brings up that scripture that Paul uses about how we're supposed to have sex. Now, I, I'll, I'll bring it up. Here it is right here. There is one. I mean, Paul, and this is, this is why we talk about this in, in this church, okay? Because the society is, 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 there's a lot of sexuality around us, and what Paul is saying is, you know what, if you're married, you need to make this a serious commitment to each other because it's important because there's a lot of temptations. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise, the wife to her husband. That's, that's important, okay? But if, if, you, if you just wrote that verse down so that you could have it matted and framed and put it in your bedroom, you've got a problem. All right, it's not going to work. If you have to use the Bible or guilt or my sermon to make your wife have sex with you, you guys have bigger problems. And if you think there's some magic button that you can push and everything's going to be better, you've been watching too much TV. The truth is, if you don't hear anything else I say today, gentlemen, this is the most important. The most important, probably the only important sex organ for a woman is in here. It's her heart. I promise you, gentlemen, money-back guarantee, if you will figure out how to win her heart, there will be incredible fringe benefits. You can applaud that, ladies. What I'm saying is, the only way to have a good sexual relationship is to have a good relationship, period. That's it. That's where it starts, okay? If you came looking for a shortcut, you're dead. Dr. Cliff and Joyce Penner, in their book, Married Man's Guide to Sexuality, says this. The only possibility for a life of sexual happiness occurs when the man moves in the direction of the woman. The responsibility is up to us. So I'm going to give you two things today, guys. We'll talk more later about some other stuff in two weeks when I come back and finish this thing up. But two things that are attitude for her that are the, the important underlying part of how you can move in her direction. To know her and to love her. Those are the two things. King James Version. Let's talk about no. In the King James Version, I don't preach from that very often, but I love this translation. Adam knew his wife and she conceived, right? So obviously, we know what no was, right? It was intimacy. And that's what I love, this definition, because knowing is not about data. It's not about, you know, understanding. That's what guys are all about. We're about the, you know, give me the data, give me the facts. It's about this intimacy that works in together. The Bible says that God wants us to know him, uses that same word. I desired mercy, not sacrifice, and your knowledge of me more than your burnt offerings. That's what to know is. We need to know our wives, John Eldridge says, a woman doesn't want to be related to with formulas 
And she doesn't want to be treated like a project that has answers to it. She doesn't want to be solved. She wants to be known. She wants to be known. Uh, I could sum that up by saying it this way. She needs to know that she is more important to you than her body is. That's, those are two things that probably will change your whole marriage relationship. And let me help you out here, guys, okay? This is why porn is so dangerous. Because porn separates a, a person from the body. It separates the, the, the knowledge of that person. It separates intimacy from sexuality. It's just nakedness. It's just sex on a screen. And there's no knowledge. You see what that does? When you have that thing, I mean, besides all the other things that it does to degrade your wife to know that that's going on, this is about a completely different system that doesn't ever work. There's no such thing as a system where there's just sexuality without the knowledge going on. I mean, you could pay for that to happen, but that's not how that works. And ladies, understand this is difficult for us to learn to get to know you because we don't really know ourselves. We really don't. It's very, we can't sort out your feelings because we don't even know what feelings are. We don't know what our feelings are. It was a guy who sang this song back in the 70s. Sometimes when we touch, the honesty is too much. And I have to close my eyes and hide. But I guarantee you a woman wrote that because no guy ever wrote that song. Sometimes when we touch, the honesty's too much and I have to close my eyes and hide. What? Are you kidding me? Oh, I just feel so honest. Wow. Ladies, we don't get that, okay? I, I'm, if you li- grew up with that song, I'm sorry, we don't get that. That, that guy only had one song, one hit wonder, and he was out of here because nobody believed him after that, okay? <laughs> no way. Guys, here's the deal. You cannot fake knowing your wife. Your wife can fake some stuff, but you cannot fake <laughs> knowing your wife. To know your wife is an all-day, everyday experience. You understand this, right? It's not something you could do at 1040 so that things work out for you at 1045, all right? Well, how was your day? Well, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't work, okay? Doctors Cliff and Joyce Penner said it this way. People often understand that guys have a one-track mind, and we talk about this a lot. Guys, there's a book called Men Are Like Waffles and Women Are Like Spaghetti because we're like waffles because all the syrup is only in one little pocket at one time for us. This is true. And the women are like spaghetti. They've got this multi-track mind going on, and they, they're, they're more than just a simple little being. So for a guy, he might be interested. As soon as, as soon as your body's interested, you're interested. It doesn't matter what's going on if you're a guy. If your body's ready, you're ready. That's all there is to it. But for a woman, her mind and her soul and her heart all need to be ready as well as her body. You understand that? So that's what's really important for you to understand is that we need to know her in every different way. She needs to be connected to you emotionally to be receptive. 
This is a, a, a problem that my wife and I talk about, and everybody, who, who travels in here for a living, okay? Who does a lot of travel, all right? If, you, if you're a guy, especially, and you travel, you understand where I'm coming from on this. I have to, I'm gone a lot. I have to travel a lot because I'm, I'm doing different, speaking different places and doing different things and going to different places. And, and the problem is called re-entry. That's what we literally call it, okay? You know, if a, if a ship is orbiting, you know, the, the earth, you've seen the movies, they have to, when the re-entry happens, it has to happen at a very specific way, at a specific angle, a specific place, so that, it, so that when everything comes in, everything is good. And the same thing is true when you're traveling. We call it re-entry when I come in. And the problem is, when, when I come back from a trip, re-entry for me, I'm like, uh, there you are, I've been gone from you, let's go, baby, I'm ready to go, right? Because I've been gone... And I come back. But guess what? When I've been gone and, 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 and I've been traveling somewhere, usually I'm really busy and we try to stay connected by email and phone and different things, you know, along the way. But you know, we're just not connected. So when I come home, I'm all ready to go. When I come home, she's not because we need our emotions and our hearts to connect before we can connect physically. There's, there's just no expectation for me in reentry that I'm going to open the door and my wife is going to be standing there in nothing but saran wrap. That's not going to happen. It's something I think about from time to time, but it's not something that's ever going to happen, okay? It's not realistic. So, so this two-track system for the wife is so important that you understand because her emotional needs have to go with this. I have used this picture a hundred times, and it is the epitome of the marriage relationship. There you go. <laughs> is that not the truest thing you've ever seen in your life? Guys have one switch on and off, that's all there is, and women have all of these dials and knobs, and, and, and they all interrelate, and we have no idea how to deal with them. What, well, the reason I put that picture up this time is because, guys, listen, if you want to know your wife, if you, if you want to have a good sexual relationship in your marriage, you need to know your wife, and that means you're going to have to figure out how to use that machine. And the thing is, as a guy... We, if that was literally a machine, we would learn how to use it, wouldn't we? If that had a little Apple logo, you know, on it, right? I'd be like, I'd be up all night you know, trying to figure out what, what I'm supposed to do because I want to figure this thing out. So why can't we do that with our wives? Because that's exactly who they are. This is, this is what's important about knowing. You've got to understand this. So we know her emotionally, all right? It's the, it's the C word, guys. It's communication. And right now, some of you guys are like, how does talking have anything to do with sex? And the women are like, hello, I've been trying to tell you this for years, but you won't listen to me, right? Am I right? This is what's going on. Josh McDowell says, thank you. That was not my wife, by the way. The chief, Josh McDowell says, the chief dysfunction in failing marriage is not sexual, it's verbal. Fulfilled marriages are enjoyed by those who share their feelings and have a great amount of openness with their spouse. That's about emotional connectedness, and it happens through communication. But it's not just, you know, how you doing, how you doing. It's getting into her world and understanding her world. Why, why is this important? Well, think about it. What did God do when, when God wanted to know us? He sent his son to live in our world. We call that the incarnation. We talk about that a lot at Christmas, right? Emmanuel, God with us. 
Guys, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about leaving our world of our career and our self-importance, you know, and what time are the hawks on and, you know, all the things that, that go on in our little one-track mind and getting into theirs and finding out what's going on in their world, okay? Now, I'm not saying you have to watch Downton Abbey with her. I'm just saying that you've got to get in and try to find out what's going on, and it's going to take time, and it's going to take an investment. Emmanuel, God with us, marriage. Husband with us, wife with us. Two will become one flesh, the Bible says. It doesn't say they became one flesh. It says they will become one flesh. Something magical doesn't happen on the wedding night and all of a sudden you're one flesh. No, this is a process that takes time, over years. And this is why it's really, really should be encouraging to you if you're younger. I want to tell you this, okay? I know that society views sexuality and they look at sexuality and think it's all about the younger people, you know, and you, older people have to take pills and, you know, it's just ridiculous that, you know, I, can't, I don't want to get, get to that point. I, I, I like it that I'm young. Okay, guess what? The truth of the matter is a long-term committed marriage relationship to the same person will yield more sexual intimacy and more sexual fulfillment later on down the line because you are more one flesh. That's the way God designed it. Again, the penners wrote it this way. For a woman, sex is more than a total person event than a physical focus. That's why women need to experience connection and love to feel sexual. Men need to be awake. <laughs> and I've got some ambient moments that I'm still not sure about, honestly, but that's beside the point. Know her, secondly, spiritually. All right? Well, I pushed it too hard, and I already ran out of our devotional book that we had for couples. I'm kind of happy about that. But we'll, we'll put all this stuff online. We had a devotional book available for you out there. I know, I know a lot of you guys are like, what? i got to pray with my wife? Hang on a second. What if I told you that being spiritually connected to your wife would yield really good benefits in the bedroom? Would that make you a little bit more interested? Sociologist Andrew Greeley surveyed married people, and he found out that the happiest couples are those who pray together regularly. And those couples who pray together regularly considered their marriage highly romantic more than those who did not, and had higher sexual satisfaction, twice as high sexual satisfaction in marriage if they were connected spiritually. Red Book Magazine said... I mean, not exactly a Christian periodical, said the greater intensity of a woman's spiritual commitment, the more likely her sexual satisfaction will be in her marriage. So get the devotional book. Go, go on Amazon and get it. Spend three minutes a day praying with your wife, reading a little devotional together, share some spiritual things together, and you'll be amazed at what will happen. And third, we got to know her physically. And, and, and again, I go back to that machine. It's not just that she is that machine. It's just that the machine changes all the time. You never know where those things are going or what's going to happen. And she is so different than you are, guys. I mean, a guy is triggered by seeing his wife undressing or wearing something provocative or whatever. He's like, boom, you know, let, I'm, I'm ready to go. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, some women might get in the mood by seeing you, you know, that way. But unless you're a personal trainer or a bodybuilder, you are not too sexy for your shirt. I'm going to tell you that right now, okay? For her, am I right, ladies? Okay, don't, don't, don't amen that, okay? For her... But what is, what is her trigger? You need to know this. You need to know her physically. For her, it's probably a look. It's probably a, 
a, a, a wink across the room at a party. It's probably a kiss given unexpectedly without anything being expected in return. It might be a small gift. It might be an act of service that lights her fire. Okay? Dr. Kevin Lehman says, if I asked a thousand men, what is the most special physical act a man can engage in with a woman, I'd probably get the response of laughter, catcalls, and statements such as, boy, if you don't know by now, I feel sorry for you. The problem is, Lehman says, if I ask women the same question, I'm going to get a completely different answer. Men think that sexual intercourse is the most special physical act, while a woman will say the most special act is just being held and holding the man that she loves. We get into difficulty in marriage when we begin to think that sex is the most important thing. We get into difficulty in everything in life when we think sex is the most important thing. A husband who doesn't understand that his wife needs for him to express his love for her by holding her close is not going to have a happy and fulfilled wife, no matter how much of an artist he may fancy himself to be in the bedroom. Lehman says, <coughs> Lehman says, am I saying that women don't enjoy sex? Not at all. A woman who has a partner who makes her feel loved and cherished is capable of receiving immense pleasure from sexual love, but still there's something in her soul that longs for more of the intimacy than being just the thrill of the sexual contact. The best way to improve your sex life, he says, including your wife's desire for you, is to focus on the other 95% of your marriage and build that up. Interesting, isn't it? There's a Everybody Loves Raymond episode that perfectly illustrates this. Let's watch it. It's different for them. Um, the second part is to love. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because this is kind of really, really obvious. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Here's where it gets really tough. It's not just about knowing her. It's about loving her. And loving her means you give up your rights and you do what's right for her. Practically speaking, Dr. Lehman said in one of his books, he said, you know, there's no guy alive that comes home from a long day at work and thinks, boy, what I need now is a 45-minute conversation with my wife. None. But that's exactly why a man's willingness to engage in such a conversation is so beneficial to him spiritually. Because it costs him something. It teaches him to sacrifice. The Bible tells us, and this is a scripture I read at weddings when I do them, even though it's about Jesus and not about weddings. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not look merely for your own interest, your own personal interest, but look for the interests of others, for each other. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. What was that attitude? That was agape love, which means I'm going to give up my rights to take care of you. Sometimes you may have to give up your right, guys, to sexual fulfillment in order to love your wife as Christ loved the church. You may not have to, but sometimes you will. <clears throat> I know marriages where there are physical issues, um, you know, issues that, that, that just keep them from being able to have a, a sexual relationship. And they are healthy and they are vibrant. They can be. Okay? The sooner we realize we don't have to have it, the better off we're all going to be. But ladies, the same verse applies to you. You're supposed to love your husband as Christ loved the church, and that may mean you need to figure out some things in this area that could make it better for you as well. Having a great marriage is a great way to keep them from temptation that could take them away. And I hope you'll be here next week. 
Next week, Shanti Feldhan is going to be here, Harvard-trained research analyst who uh, worked on Wall Street and then decided to take her analyzing ability into the family. Wrote two great books, For Men Only, For Women Only, two million copies worldwide, bestseller. And she's going to be here to talk to the ladies, all right? I didn't want to talk to the ladies. I wanted somebody, I wanted a lady to talk to the lady, and she's going to give you a bunch of great advice, and you're going to love it. So guys, don't let anything get in the way of being here next week, all right? So to love your, life, your wife as Christ loved the church, or to love your husband as Christ loved the church, means that you're going to consider their sexual needs before you consider yours. And guess what? If you do that, you might be surprised at how things work. Dr. Lehman, the other book that we do still have copies of out there, um, is, wrote a book called Sex Begins in the Kitchen. And it's not what you're thinking, guys, okay? It's about washing the dishes, okay? It was that Raymond thing exactly, right? And this is, this is where this loving thing is so important. If you're loving, if you're knowing, so that you can get something back, it's not going to work. It's about loving and knowing them, Period. Jesus did not love us conditionally. He loved us unconditionally. I will know my wife. I will love my wife. And don't worry, ladies, this is not the end. I'm going to come back in two weeks. I'm going to talk about trust. I'm going to talk about romance. We're going to talk about some things. And guys, I'm going to talk to the ladies about some things too in two weeks when we finish this thing up. I'm going to talk about what's getting in the way, and, and, and we'll do all that, okay? But next week, Shanti's going to be here uh, to talk to you ladies. I just wanted to get to the attitude today because I thought that was the important thing behind this all. Philip Yancey, in his book, Holy Sex, wrote, Marriage strips away the illusions about sex pounded into us daily by the entertainment media. Few of us live with oversexed supermodels. We live instead with ordinary people, men and women who get bad breath, body odor, unruly hair, who menstruate, who have occasional impotence, who have bad moods, who embarrass us in public, who pay more attention to the children's needs than our own. We live with people who require compassion, tolerance, understanding, and an endless supply of forgiveness. And so do our partners. Such is the ironic power of sex. It lures us into a relationship that offers to teach us what we need far more, which is sacrificial love. Best example of that I've ever read was from a surgeon who uh, wrote a book, and uh, one of the stories from his surgery experiences was about a woman who had to have facial surgery. He says, I stand by the bed where a young woman lies, her face post-operative, her mouth twisted in a palsy, clownish kind of grin, because a tiny twig of the facial nerve, one of the muscles of her mouth, has been severed. She will be this way from now on. The surgeon had followed with religious fervor the curve of her flesh, I promise you that. Nevertheless, to remove the tumor in her cheek, I had to cut a little nerve, and her face will be twisted. Her young husband is in the room. He stands on the opposite side of the bed, and together they seem to dwell in the evening lamplight, isolated from me, private. Who are these two, I asked myself. He and this wry-mouthed woman that I have made who gaze at and touch each other so generously, so greedily. The young woman speaks, Will my mouth always be like this? She asks. Yes, I say, it will. The nerve had to be cut. She nods and is sad and silent. But the young man smiles. I like it, he says. It's kind of cute. All at once, I know who he is. I understand. I lower my gaze. 
One is not bold in an encounter with such a man. Unmindful, he bends to kiss her crooked mouth. And I'm so close to them that I can see how he has to twist his own lips to accommodate to hers now, to show her that their kiss still works. I know this is hard. Remember I talk about relationships, Mother's Day, Father's Day, whatever it is. I know it's difficult. As much as maybe, you know, you, you in a marriage are feeling the apology from a guy through that song, um, I know that there are people who can't. Um, I know that there are ladies out there who, who would say, boy, I sure wish my husband could have gotten that through his thick head before he walked away. Or I wish my husband was here at all. Or I wish I had a husband. Or, <clears throat> you know, so many scenarios that play out. And I get that. And that's why the great part about talking about this in church is that even though we want to help our relationships, we want them to be that fire that, that we saw in that Rob Bell video a couple of weeks ago, that, that raging fire that is an example to the people out there in the world. And we want that for you. We want that intimacy to happen for you. Ultimately, we know that um, Jerry McGuire... Jerry Maguire was full of it. I mean, the you complete me thing just isn't true. There's only one who can complete us. There's a God-shaped hole in your heart, not a man or a woman-shaped hole in your heart. There's a God-shaped hole. And whether you've got a, a person in your life that loves you like that or not, you do have Jesus available to you. You do have God who loves you so much that he gave everything how great the Father's love for us. It is the agape love. It is the, God, it is the love that, that does all of the things that you need. So we're going to do communion right now and give you an opportunity to respond to him. Maybe you'll be like me and this is a moment for you to reflect and say, okay, I need to be more like Jesus as I take this symbol of his body and his blood. I need to be more like Jesus. Or maybe you're at a place where you just need to say, I just need you, Jesus. Either way, we offer this for you now. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you gave for us and you showed us that you would give your life for us even though we didn't deserve it. And that's the love that we're supposed to exemplify in our marriages. And I, I pray for the guys that are in this room especially that you'll help us we're usually the more thick-headed in the group. And, um, and we, we do have a pretty easy system, one little switch. It's not that hard, and our wives usually get that figured out. It's us that have the problem because you made women complicated, and we want to love them, and we desire to love them, but it's not easy. And so I pray for us that you'll help us to be more than a man for them, help us to love them and know them, and understand how important that process is. And for the people in here, Lord, that need to take this communion time to say, Jesus, you complete me. It's awesome that we can. Maybe there are people in this room who've never said that. Let them right now just open up their hearts to you and say, Jesus, I need you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, I need for you to love me through Jesus Christ in a way that I'll never ever get from another human being. And I thank you for that. Lord, be with us as we commune. Thank you for this love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.